Hey, this is the True Crit Podcast, where me, John Digital, and Lizzie Benito get pretty nerdy about an artist's discography. This season, we're talking about Steely Dan. This week, we're on record number three, Pretzel Logic. Can you believe it? We're three already. I know. I kind of discount Can't Buy a Frill. I don't know why, but I count Countdown to Ecstasy, Pretzel Logic and Katie Lied as a trilogy of records. Do you? Yeah. And then you've got the other trilogy, which is Royal Scam, Asia Gaucho. I'm interested in how you've designated these in your mind. (laughs) It's like three records that kind of hold together quite well. They kind of share very similar themes. And then I feel that the next three records share themes both lyrically and musically however there are two instances in pretzel logic where they directly reference can't buy a thrill yes actually i picked up on one but that's amazing that you've picked up on another one so there's another one slightly more obscure but i still think it's a reference to can't buy a thrill it's actually the phrase kill for every thrill yes yeah that's what I picked up on. Ah, no, no, there's another one that ah, you haven't spotted. Amazing. Well, we'll get to that. It's worth saying at the top of this, this is like the last Steely Dan band in inverted commas. Yeah, they started to get really brutal, didn't they, with ditching everyone. You're not playing as good as you could play. Yeah. Your playing doesn't suit the song. Yeah. And so we get to this. Bass has been completely taken over by the amazing Chuck Rainey, who then plays on the rest of the Steve Dan records. And Jim Hodder is reduced to backing vocals on one track. Oh, Jim. <laughs> He's replaced by Jim Gordon, amazing drummer, drummed for, well, a whole bunch of amazing records in the 70s. Uh, sadly, Schizophrenic, yeah. who Yeah, ended up, I was going to say, yeah. his story didn't end all that well. No, he had a psychotic episode and murdered his own mum, and he's still in jail. He's And it looks like he'll probably never come out ever again. Probably just as well, really. Yeah, it's um, but it's kind of sad that, you know, the Americans are so keen to lock away their mentally ill. But like That's another whole, podcast. That's like a whole series <laughs> of podcasts. They do bring in Jeff Picaro. Oh, Jeff Picaro. And he was like 18, I think, when he recorded Night by Night. Yeah. He's just fantastic on that song. He's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And obviously he would go on to form Toto. Yes. And there's actually another Toto player on this record, which is David Page. So I didn't realise that. He plays keyboards on this record and does some backing vocals as well. So nascent. Toto formation on a Steely Dan record. They're just starting to get the big guns. They're just like, we want the best players around. I think it really shows on this yes. album, yeah. like how much more accomplished. I think it's quite a significant jump here from, from Countdown to Ecstasy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is to do with the recording process as well, because it was much more controlled. Yeah. I actually missed the freedom that they had in Countdown to Ecstasy. And I think a lot of it was more, it was probably as much to do with the fact that they weren't touring when they recorded Pretzel Logic. Yeah. But also they had more of an impetus to make a more commercial sounding record. I think because it was so successful, I think it paid off. Yeah, definitely. You know, this record is a really tight, taut exercise in writing short songs 
Yes, it's much poppier, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is really poppy, but it's the most left-field pop record. <laughs> well, that's what you expect from them, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. They're all like perfectly formed little vignettes, aren't they? Every single song yes. is a snapshot of a story yeah. or a person or a situation. What's quite interesting, though, actually, is during the mixing, Donald said in an interview that they'd abandoned hope of being one of the big, important rock and roll groups. And obviously that was before the record was released. Yeah. And I think this record just propelled them into being incredibly successful and yeah. i think a lot of it is probably to do with an incredible opening number ricky don't lose that number oh my words what a way to open a record i know i know we say that every time <laughs> <laughs> but seriously and it's got this flapamba instrument that i had to look up what it was because i've never heard of a flapamba i was like that's made up oh is that the sound at the start yeah so uh, I, was, I thought it was a marimba no, but, you use your hands to play it. Oh, you don't nice. use like mallets or, or whatever to play it. You, it's like the bassiest marimba you've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought maybe um, it was a marimba and they'd kind of EQ'd it so that it sounded kind of muddy. But no. that makes sense that you play it by hand and it would have that kind of sound. Yeah, it's that's a awesome. flapamba. I was flapamba. like, that's made up. That's made up. But it's a real instrument. And I watched some YouTube videos of it today. It sounds incredible. It's such an incredible instrument. But like, what the hell? God, I say this a lot. What the hell? Let's start off with a, you know, a minute long flapimba yeah. solo. By Victor Feldman. Yes. It's a really slow kind of, you don't know what you're in for when you hear that sound at the beginning. And also the intro is literally identical to Song for My Father by Horace Silver. Yeah. It's almost like quite audacious of them, I think. <laughs> it's a jazz thing, isn't it? I know. There's it's... so much jazz in this album. Yeah. They've just thrown every single jazz thing at it. Yeah. This is a record that is jazzy and pretty much every song is about drugs, I feel. Every song. Every song has got a thing in it. With Ricky Don't Lose That Number, do you think he's like speaking to a woman and being like really confident and just be like you know take my number don't call me straight away you know just just call me when you need me or is he talking about a joint is the number a joint that's one theory and well, he's they're... saying like take this and when you need it have a smoke so i always assumed the song was about drugs however there is also a theory that ricky is a lady called ricky de Cornet, who is actually an accomplished american author who was married to one of the professors at the bard university when they went <laughs> coming back bard. to bard college bard again it's just in their heads isn't it yeah. that time of their life and she recounts in an interview that Donald gave her his number at a party. And she was like, I'm quite intrigued by you. But she was married and pregnant <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so it was a bit like, nah, maybe not. But when you listen to how he sings it, there's an unusual like kindness to his voice. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of moments in this album where there's a real gentleness and tenderness that you yes. don't really hear in a lot of their other songs, yeah. which I find quite disarming, actually. He's still got that arrogance because he's like, you don't want to call nobody else. And it's kind of a little bit gaslighty as well. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, you, you don't want to call anybody else. You just want to call me. Yeah. 
Yeah. But also you're married and pregnant. <laughs> All right. Whoops. <laughs> On my notes. <laughs> There's that weird part where he says, send it off in a letter to yourself. Yeah. Which refers to what they call like poor man's copyright, oh. where if you post a set of lyrics or music or whatever to yourself, that can be used very loosely as proof of copyright. So obviously you've got a date stamp made by a, a third party. I didn't know that. Now we're getting into copyright law. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not afraid to reference anything in any song no they're really not but they're also not afraid to dump in red herrings as well yeah and i think that they throw things in deliberately sometimes because i saw something else when i was researching this song that some people think that the whole ricky de Cornet thing is just an in joke that they all had at the college and they were just like yeah it's actually about drugs but we're just going to pretend it's about ricky yeah to throw everyone off the scent because i read an interview with them i think it was it might have been nme from 75 where they were very much like look we're not going to tell you what the songs really mean it's up to you to kind of get your head around it and it's up to you to apply the meaning to it we're not going to give much away yeah and i think they do things like that deliberately and it's what makes them so compelling and intriguing mercurial mercurial what a good word yeah i actually think ricky don't lose that number is one of those perfect songs mm. like everything about it just completely works you know like wichita lineman and i need you more than want you and i want you for all she just couldn't make it better there's no other way it's there's no fat on it it's no. just perfectly put together beautifully produced great We're probably gonna solo. Have to talk Yeah, we're probably kind of going to have to talk about Gary Katz at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, well, it's him and the mix engineer, Roger Nichols, I think it is. It's that team. They are finessing the sound as mm. each record goes on. Yeah. And you're just getting a more luxurious sound, I think is the best way to put it. Because you can hear all the instruments. Yeah. They all sound like they're sparkling this is them trying to be a bit more pop there's a bit more pop sensibility the recording process is itself is becoming just as important as the songwriting and the playing yes you've got this holy trinity of record making i just love it i've only ever really listened to steely dan in a really superficial way i'm absolutely loving it because it's just completely opening up this box of delight yeah it's a discography that you can really get your teeth into yes. because there is so much happening i really want to talk about night by night cool let's dive oh, in this is my favorite on the album is I it yeah i love it it's just unbridled funk and it's yeah you haven't heard them do funk before no and it's so tight i absolutely love it and i just can't really get my head around completely what it means i think the queen of spain reference 
threw me a little bit because I was like, well, where's the significance of the Queen of Spain? But I'm wondering whether that might be alluding to the Queen of Spades. My favourite fan review was saying that it's about Batman. <laughs> oh my God. It could Obviously be about it's... fucking Batman. <laughs> it's just Fuck. really made me laugh. Fucking hell. Yeah, that's my favourite. So whether it's about Batman or not, I don't know. Live night by night. he talks about the Joker. Yeah, live night by night, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, he's in this rube town, the Dawn Patrol. They're going to tell him twice, but they're going to do it with a shotgun, you know. It's yeah. just kind of dodgy city. Lawless. Yeah. It's about Batman. It's about Batman. I don't, um, I don't think it's about Batman. It's quite, to me, lyrically, it's quite Dylan-esque. It's got like a Bob Dylan kind of thing going on in it. I've, I've noticed that a little bit about this album, actually. The way Donald sings some of the songs, his delivery is quite Dylan-esque. Yeah, yeah. And so it's we kind of catch a glimpse of another possible inspiration for them. Yes. And you kind of think, like, you couldn't really imagine them listening to Bob Dylan because, well, he's a little bit older than them. But, you know, as, as far as record sales go, they're peers. It's definitely in there. I have to just get that out here now. I'm not a massive fan of Bob Dylan and I blame my father for that because <laughs> he's one of my dad's mortal enemies. So we're never allowed to listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> but I do appreciate that he's an incredible songwriter. Yeah. And Donald and Walter are also incredible songwriters. Yes. So, yeah. you know, for them to have completely avoided him is just not believable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. This track's got like a very Stevie Wonder, Superstition, Clavinet. Yes. Just like going like, ducka, 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 oh, kind of it. just eyes. Oh, it's, it's really great. And this is the song where you have Jeff Picaro on drums. Yes. And if you just focus in on what he's playing, it is just so good. Yeah, it's like almost metronomic. Yeah. It's a machine-like groove, isn't it? Yeah. And it just it just carries you through. I just love it so much. I really look forward to it coming on. Just that swell of like strings and brass and just this glorious beginning, grand and opening to it. Are there flutes in it? Are there flutes yeah, in it? I think yeah. so, yeah. And they're almost like military, aren't they? Yeah. The flutes, which kind of works with the machine's rigid sound. That kind of yeah military precision. I love it. I just yeah. absolutely love it. I could it's listen really to that great. forever. We go from not being able to buy a thrill to killing for a thrill. Yes. That in itself is almost like they're not naive anymore. Yeah, it's very gritty. Yeah. And that's a general comment, I think, about this album is that the gloves are off now. Yeah. They're singing completely openly about drugs. They're singing really openly about death and really bad situations. It is not as abstract as Countdown to Ecstasy mm, yeah. and even Can't Buy a Thrill because some of the stories on Can't Buy a Thrill were, we were a bit like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. But now they don't give a shit now. They're just going to sing whatever they want to sing. Yeah. They're relishing their artistic freedom. Yes. Good on them. Yes. Crack on, For boys. Sure. And then, so from night by night into, well, their biggest hit, I believe. Any, Any major, major dude. dude. 
Oh, I love this song. When I first started listening to Steely Dan, or once I kind of got over just listening to Aja, which was quite a lengthy period for me. <laughs> you just stick it on repeat, don't yeah, you? It's yeah. Like, right, this is the, I'm just going to call this the Asia month. Because that's all I'm going to listen to. <laughs> but this song, when I kind of started going through the back catalogue, I was like, that's amazing. Mm. Because you've just got these beautiful chord progressions on a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and the vocal delivery is just so warm and fuzzy. I know. And tender. And tender, isn't it? Yeah. Right? There's like no sneer. There's like no cynicism. This is just a, a kind of a word to the wise. Yes. Imparting yes. just good, friendly advice. Any major dude with half a heart surely will tell you, my friend. Any minor world that breaks apart falls together again. When the demon is at your door. And it's very good advice as well. Yeah, yeah. It's excellent advice. One thing I've actually written, sage advice in capital letters. <laughs> and it's basically a good night's sleep will always make you feel better. <laughs> and it's so true. Like if yeah. you're having a shit day, go to bed nine times out of ten you're going to feel better. Yeah. I love the folk rock vibe to this. And yeah. I really like the way Donald starts singing in a quite a talky, relaxed, friendly sort of way. Yeah. A bit like Dylan, I suppose. And it also introduces us to the squonk, which is a mythical creature. And mythical creatures are folk fodder, let's be honest. Yeah. So it's like some kind of beast from upstate New York. It hates its own appearance and it just cries all the time. And then I think it dissolves in its own tears. Wow. Isn't that just sad? Poor Squonk. It is. It's not the only song that references Squonk. Oh. There's also a track on uh, A Trick of the Tale by Genesis, which is the first post-Peter Gabriel record. Uh, there's actually a track on there called Squonk. And that's after. So I think that's 76. Yeah, 76. Okay, so, so the Dan did it first. Dan did it first. Genesis listened to Dan. <laughs> I like that. I like 100%. That. Of course yeah. they did. Yeah. Of course they did. The tenderness in this song and the, the good advice, because whilst you say there's no like snidey vibe to what, this talking about it's the line any minor world that breaks apart falls together again it's that like any minor world i know it reflects well on the any major dude the first yeah. line but it's almost like saying come on mate there's bigger stuff out there than yeah. you it's completely kind i find it really disarming and lovely it's such a gorgeous song it just demonstrates that they're not just complete cynical bastards no most of the time, <laughs> most of the time they're telling you that you're fucking up yeah. Just shows that they are human and they do understand the world. Yeah. And he calls his mate my funky one. How yeah. nice. Oh. And he says my friend as well in it. Yeah. There's also something to be said, again, like a broad sweep of the record, is every tune on this album 
has really beautiful bridges. Yes. The bridge in this, I just think those words are just amazing. That's just pure, awesome pop writing. It is. It's fucking but beautiful. It's, but it's not, like you said in episode one, it's not one of those, you know, I love you, you love me, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. It's really complex, interesting. Just stuff you never really hear in pop songs. No, I love this song. Yes, it's I love what, it It's too. one of my favourite all time. We agree. Songs. Yes. We agree. We agree. Barrytown. Barrytown. Fucking hell, Barrytown. My notes open with Barrytown full caps holy fuck <laughs> mine opens with full caps prophetic <laughs> <laughs> I love that we just both went in full caps full caps yeah do you know what when I was knowing this episode was coming up and I was like right I need to kind of switch from hearing this record to actually listening to it and thinking mm. about it yeah I probably spent a few days just really, really listening to it and not hearing the lyrics, but not reading them and not starting to attach meaning to the lyrics. And I had in my head, and it's probably because I just watched all seven seasons, but I thought this song was similar to how Eagleton in Parks and Recreation... Because it's got that vibe to it. It does. It's got that vibe to it. I was like, fucking hell, this is like Parks and Rec. No, you're right. Oh my God. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So hang on. Is Barrytown Pawnee? No, I think Barrytown is Eagleton and he's singing from like a Pawnee perspective. So he's like, you're idiots, basically. Okay. And well, I can I tell it's, that it's you're interchangeable, from isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But then, then Lizzie, I read the words <laughs> and I started doing the research. Right. And realized that he's just slagging off a whole fucking religion yes, in, a, in a four minute pop song <laughs> <laughs> i thought that originally too but then when i started digging into the lyrics and kind of understanding them both as people i'm a bit like is he or is he portraying a character that's kind of stumbled across the moonies and like what the fuck are these guys up to because he says about he reads the daily news and swears by every word And I wrote Daily Mail readers in big capital letters. (laughs) Apologies to any Daily Mail readers. I hope you don't listen to this podcast. If you do, stop. (laughs) It made me think that he was talking about like a narrow-minded, like almost xenophobic kind of person. Maybe maybe someone who's ostensibly Christian, let's say, but is actually very intolerant. Doesn't tolerate the Mooney faith, let's say. And it's this contradiction of loving everybody, but actually being quite afraid of people who are different yeah because he says in the last verse he says there's a special lack of grace i can see it in your face it is very withering about this other religion 
but it's what he also says i'd like to see you do just fine but look at what you wear which again it's that kind of contradiction of you know well you know i don't wish you ill but don't come to my town because yeah. you're different and weird so i don't actually think that's donald and water i think they're portraying a, a person who, we're seeing through the eyes of another maybe yeah. we are but like you say again this song has this incredible bridge that harmony mm. in the beginning when the world was hurled i think yeah it is the harmonies in that because the know. melody is really really simple and yeah. it's very kind of nursery rhymey it just comes from nowhere yeah it totally catches you off guard yeah in the beginning we recall that the world was just kind of opens up the song more like because like you say it's got that kind of nursery rhymey mm. sound to it yeah with some quite nice country slide yes that's probably more apparent on this album i think than yeah 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 than countdown to ecstasy yeah again it's just a gorgeous song we then yes. go into a cover mm. the only cover in the whole discography mm-hmm. i feel like the sounds that you're making you don't really like it I don't like this one. <laughs> My notes say not sure about it. I appreciate it. Yeah. But I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to it. I think for me, this and Parker's Band, and it's worth saying that this track is the end of side one. And what, East St. Louis to Lou? Yeah, yes. East St. Louis to Lou is the end of side one. And I feel that it fits thematically with Parker's Band. Yeah, very much so. It's very all, much so. It's, it's interesting that it breaks at that point, actually, yeah. because... It, that kind of makes sense but the guitar working is amazing it is amazing and the use of the talk box yeah that walter used it's so clever but i do find the um pedal steel guitar i know i shouldn't find it funny i find it funny it's a little bit chintzy i think it's a little bit self-indulgent yeah and then it's got it's got a fucking gong at the end yes <laughs> yes that has got to be some kind of joke i'm just it must be it must be a joke they end the first side of the record with a gong Yes, but they did say that when they're talking about jazz um, in interviews, they're always incredibly serious about it. It's yeah. like, oh my God, we went to Bard College again. No one else was into jazz. We were the only two people into jazz. And I think that made them quite isolated. But yeah. what they wanted to do is they wanted to make a jazz song using modern instruments. Mm. You know, and fair play to them. Yeah. And when you talk about sampling and hip hop, it's in a similar vein to that, I guess, in a way, by yeah. them paying homage to jazz music that they love. And it's just, it's it's woven throughout their whole discography. It kind of makes sense for them to want to pay homage to it and want to kind of honour it in that way. Yeah. I just probably wouldn't have put it on the album. It feels more of an exercise than a creative statement. Yes. Yes. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. But like I say, I do appreciate it. I think yeah. musically it's fantastic, but it's not something I'd seek out and listen to. No, but you wouldn't be like, oh, I really need to listen to this song. Yeah, I really need to listen to that. But, you know, Walter's guitar in it is just fantastic yeah. with, with the talk box. Yeah. Really clever. It's really good. And then, so we're at the end of side one. Parker's Band. 
Parker's Band, what a jolly song. <laughs> a jolly ditty. Yeah. It's just reference after reference. Jazz musicians, places where you listen to jazz in New York, all the different, like the labels. It's just a real, like, unabashed love letter. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's, I feel like you need to know a lot about Charlie Parker. You do. To, like, really understand what they're singing about. If anyone can explain to me what bear back on your armadillo means. <laughs> answers on a postcard. <laughs> there is some really nice sax in this song as well. Yeah. Which, you know, is Charlie Parker's instrument of choice. Yes. It is fun. There is some darkness in there. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time, I think, where heroin is yeah. unequivocally mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Because they say. Drugs and religion. Yeah. Digging it. Yeah, it's totally there. That's quite significant. But also it's realistic as well about some of the issues that Charlie Parker had, the addiction problems that they had as well. Yeah. Um, and jazz and heroin just seem to go hand in hand. They do. John Coltrane had problems with heroin. Miles Davis had problems with heroin. It's there in the biggest names. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I can't quite figure it out because it seems to me that you have to be operating on quite a high level to play jazz because of the improvisational nature of the music. Yeah. And I don't see how that marries with a real downer drug. You'd think they'd just all be doing MDMA. <laughs> how prolific was MDMA <laughs> in the 20s and 30s? <laughs> Yeah, well, not at all, I don't think. Not at all, there you go. <laughs> I love how the rush of it is so joyful. If you can imagine hearing bebop for the first time, if you're into that kind of music, how incredible that must have been. And I think it has that kind of incredible energy. Yeah, it's really propulsive. Yeah. Like I said, it's a love letter or a love song to yeah. bebop. What I did find quite interesting, though, is when I was listening to it, I couldn't get Jazzman by Carol King out of my head. I don't think I've ever heard that. So, Jazzman by Carol King. So, you, you might have heard Lisa Simpson sing it. <laughs> so, she does a version of it in The Simpsons. But actually, Dave Palmer wrote the lyrics to Jazzman and Carol King wrote the melody. Oh, no way. Which is a weird little coincidence. Because yeah. I was like, I'm sure he had something to do with it. And he did. He wrote the, he wrote the lyrics. And it's kind of got that real kind of, isn't jazz great? <laughs> kind of vibe. <laughs> It's a really nice instance. Yeah. It might just be me putting two and two together in my head, but there is definite similarity between the two. But you should listen to it. It's, yeah, um, I will do. Through with Buzz. Through with Buzz. This is a real oddity. I had in my head for quite a long time a take on it, but it doesn't quite work. What was your take? I want to hear it. So I was thinking that Buzz isn't a person. Buzz is him enjoying being bad he's having a buzz of being bad mm -hmm. because you have you know how the song opens when it's like he takes all my money he takes all my money you know i'm through with buzz yes i'm through with buzz oh 
And like each verse has that kind of line where somebody is doing something bad and then he's like, I'm through with Buzz. I'm through with the drama. I'm through with all of that. Yeah. It probably is about a guy called Buzz. I'm kind of with you actually on your original take because there is a theory that Buzz was a shitty roommate they had. Right. At Bard College. At Bard College. (laughs) It's like, move on, guys. These guys are institutionalised. Let it go. They just cannot get that time <laughs> of their life out of their heads, can they? No, they really can't. They need to move on. Yeah, they really Just do. move on to the science fiction <laughs> shit. But I th- actually think your theory that Buzz is like, yeah, him being bad because yeah. maybe he's a fairy. Yeah. I don't think he's very funny. Yeah. And remember when... He stole my girl, drug her. Yeah, drug her all around all the around world. the world. Yeah. I remember when he stole my girl, drug her all around the world. You know I'm cool, yes I feel alright, except when I'm in my room and it's late at night. He's giving himself a bad time. Yes. But it must be he's giving himself a bad time about his own behaviour. I think your theory might be bang on, John. I think I've got something there. I think you do. But I also don't think that he is really through with Buzz at all because when he sings that, uh-huh, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. he's like completely sarcastic. Yeah. I'm like, is he though? <laughs> is yeah. he through with Buzz? He's having a moral dilemma. This, it's like what, one minute? Oh, it's... It's pretty short. Yeah, it's like one and done, really, isn't it? It's almost like an interlude, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But the strings on it, they completely took me by surprise. It kind of sounds a little bit like Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Or a little bit She's Leaving Home. It's yeah. very Beatlesy. Yeah. And almost like they're trying something out. It's like they've had a little, like an idea of, you know, they just wanted to test it out. A bit like East St. Louis. They were like, well, let's play around with this idea that we've got, this sound, and see where it goes. Obviously, it didn't go any further. Because <laughs> I think strings only turn up in one other song on this record no i mean look i really in total yeah i can't think of strings fm has strings yeah which was like a random song that they did for a film yeah in 78 which is gorgeous as well but it's completely out of character for them yeah i would agree with that definitely it it does just kind of throw you off Mm. and especially because it's so short yes and just the vocal delivery is kind of different for them Mm. but i love it this is like a very very favorite steely dan song of mine really yeah i get it stuck in my head all the time yeah i've just basically had ricky don't lose that number stuck in my head for about two weeks (laughs) it's parker's band for me really yeah do you like parker's band i guess the amount of times it's been stuck in my head i guess i do it's like you know my brain wants to hear it well no because i had the ymca stuck in my head for literally two weeks once (laughs) i've got nothing against the ymca but it's not something i go out of my way to listen to (laughs) earworms are strange things yeah they are really weird and so so we get on to the titular number Mm. i really wanted to say tit tit (laughs) (laughs) sorry okay the first title song we have a marry between the name of the records and we have a little bit of story behind it yeah i was thinking about a pretzel okay okay because this song is pretty much about time travel yes it is and a pretzel could be like a mobius strip or an infinity symbol (laughs) 
<laughs> I got really into this. You did, didn't you? And so that makes sense in the context of this song and also in the context of them always reaching into the past. This thing that they want to be tangible and for them mm. to be able to reach out and, and relive a moment, but they just can't. And that kind of blows me away because that's like... <laughs> really high concept stuff. It is really high concept stuff. However, there's also the other way of looking at pretzel logic and the literal definition of pretzel logic, which is faulty reasoning that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. And if you remember back in episode one, when we were talking about kings yes, and they've got no political significance written next to kings, yeah, I almost wonder whether it may be a red herring, but knowing what I know about how they don't necessarily want to lend too much meaning to their songs yeah but they're actually just saying dad you know don't look too much into it because yeah it's not what you think or yeah if you look too closely yeah and try and get your head around it too much it's just you know it's not actually doesn't really hold up to proper scrutiny yeah yeah that is a really good take on that it's just a real nice blues shuffle this song isn't it yes yes it kind and- of simmers incredibly nostalgic but it goes like hyper nostalgia yeah by going all the way back to napoleon mm-hmm. i feel that's quite a kind of funny verse yeah i do as well i have never met napoleon but i plan to find the time i have never met napoleon The line about the shoes as well. Do you know what that reference is? No. Is it something to do with shoe shine? Well, it references a con trick that came out of New Orleans. A guy comes up to you and says, I bet I can tell you where did you get those shoes. And you accept the bet. And he says, you got those shoes on your feet. And then you've lost the bet. Ah. But that is just such an obscure nugget. I know. But that's what they do. Yeah, it's just like time and time again. Yeah. They're in a pattern now mm-hmm. of just throwing these little things into their songs where if you don't have knowledge of what they're talking about, it could almost seem like they're just talking nonsense. Yeah. You can go one of two ways with Steely Dan. You can either be a superficial listener and really, really enjoy the music mm. as much as we enjoy the music. Yeah. Yeah completely digging probably further than is necessary yeah. to get your head around it. And that just gives you another layer of appreciation, but it doesn't stop you from just enjoying how good the music is. Yeah, There's a little bit of sadness in this song, though, I think, when he's talking about, they say the times are changing, but I just don't know. They say the times are changing, but I just don't feel that's a little bit sad about how they are both into jazz and i wonder whether they're the kind of people that used to say they were born in the wrong time yeah well they're just very romantically nostalgic aren't they yeah hey let's do heroin (laughs) (laughs) let's do heroin and play the trumpet yeah don't do heroin kids it's not worth it just say no and then we take a massive left turn. We're like out in the wild west. I know. We're not though, are we? No. On with a gun. Yeah. It's completely balls out country, this song. Mm. 
like no kind of hints at all. This is full on. Yeah, honky tonk. Yee-haw, this yeah. one. It reminded me a little bit, actually, of Daddy Lessons by Beyonce. I don't know. I do not know. Yes, yeah, she um, she did she did like a country song on Lemonade and she did another version with the Dixie Chicks. They are similar. So every time I've been getting this weird segue of Beyonce and <laughs> Steely Dan. Intermingling. Yeah, and my brain just... Yeah, connects things in in funny ways. It's funny because they don't really seem to like cowboys all, all that much, but they romanticise them a little mm. bit. You know, they they were kids in the fifties. Yeah, when the western was. Yeah, they would know, have grown up with it, wouldn't yeah. they? It would just mm. been everywhere. It would have been on TV. Yeah. It would have been in cinema. Yeah, there was no escaping it. It's just in their psyche, isn't it? I don't actually think they are romanticising it in this particular song. I think they are jabbing their finger at someone who romanticises it to the point where. They want to settle their debts by shooting somebody <laughs> yeah. and leaving them in the rain. Yeah. Yeah, because they actually say When you're born to play the fool and you seen all the Western movies walk to the one who does it wrong. You'll hide in the bushes, murder the man with Luger in hand. Yeah, Luger's like a proper old fashioned gun, isn't it? It's a hand pistol, isn't it? Isn't that a World War Two hand pistol? It's not it from the seventies. No, it's like a very early pre fifties handgun. Right. I did check it out. I was like, oh, what, what? I think it's nineteen twenty <laughs> something to nineteen forty eight. I think. All right, cool. Suddenly, I'm a gun expert. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew what this yeah. journey this was going to take? Yeah. Think me on. But I actually quite like this song. Oh, it's great. It's got some great changes in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, God damn it. Is there literally anything you can't do? Yeah. Just seamlessly. Yeah. They're just capable of just taking you in one direction and then completely snapping you into something completely different. Yeah. God damn you, Dan. But it's great. I do really like this song. I think just because of it being such a an oddity in the oeuvre yeah it does stick out but then again it's this idea of these little vignettes every single song is a unique story yeah and again it's just almost like opening another window and looking into somebody else's life each time each song yeah and yeah. it's incredible <laughs> It's amazing. And then we move on to Charlie Freak, which I have the hottest of takes on. Hit me. Charlie Freak is a Christmas song. Wowzers. Let's look at the evidence. Okay. Okay, set in the winter. Yep. He's got a gold ring. Yep. Ah, nice, yes. Gold rings, gold frankincense and myrrh. Actually, I've only got three pieces of evidence. A bit of evidence three, the aggressive sleigh bells. Wow, it does have aggressive sleigh bells. Aggressive sleigh bells. So I think Charlie Freak is a really, really sad, tragic Christmas song. Yeah, about doing heroin. About heroin again. Heroin at Christmas. Yeah, it's really, really devastating song, this one. This one makes me a bit tearful, actually. It's lyrically dense and there's no obscurity in it. No. It tells a story very well in a pop fashion. Yeah just doesn't mince its words at all no it doesn't and it's incredibly tender as well and there is darkness to it and yeah. you know how charlie ends up getting the heroin mm. 
but there's the kindness as well, which kind of disarms you. Yeah. It's got a really kind of dark, creepy guitar in it uh-huh. that I really love. Yeah. It's just kind of there in the background, like a drone. Foretelling this predestined fate. Yeah. From the beginning, the lyrics don't paint a pretty picture. It's about a desperate guy going to desperate means just to get high, which is really sad. It's really sad. It's devastating. Yeah. And he sells the only thing he's got. Yeah. And then he ends up dead. ODing on it. Yeah, but it's just the way they describe his death as well. And while he sighed, his body died in 15 ways. Yeah. I had to Google what happens when you OD on heroin, which was not jolly. I don't know really anything about it. Your body forgets to breathe. Wow. And your respiratory system basically just stops working because you're so fucked. And that's when he said, and while he sighed, his body died. I don't know what the 15 ways references however this is the other song which harks back to can't buy a thrill because he oh. says yes jack i gave it back the ring i could not own oh my god yeah do it which again is, which is interesting because that song again is about this is bleak because there is no redemption in this song is it the same person the same narrator yeah getting himself into these shitty scrapes but he's you know he's all right yeah because that's what that song's about isn't it it's about mm. this kind of wheel of just, fucking up and yeah, redeeming just, yourself yeah yeah shit it is Ooh. that's nice that you managed to pull that out lizzie thanks i'm pleased with myself yeah, I, give myself a special steely dan yeah, badge that is really good <laughs> end of the album monkey in your soul not the first song to reference a monkey no, it's not. I think this is definitely about heroin. Oh, no, absolutely no doubt in my mind is this about anything else. Even Donald's voice, the way he sings it, he sounds intoxicated. Yeah. The way he sings the words is like, wow. <laughs> that was a good impression of him. <laughs> it's like he's in the room. Yeah. Donald? He's here. He's just walked in. I went in some strange circles on this one because I'm like, is this a bit of a jab at Walter? Um, But then I'm like, that would be weird. Yeah. My take is that it's about codependent junkie couple and the guy is freaking out because there is just no bottom to the need for heroin with his partner and that's what he's saying i fear the monkey in your soul yes so rather they don't just have a monkey on their back which is not a monkey woman she's no actually, that's different yeah she's got a monkey in her soul which is like feeding this rabid out of control addiction and he he's says, just like do you know what if this is what it is i don't want to do it yeah but then he says It's like, are they trying to record music together and they're fucked and they can't do it and they're getting pissed off with each other? I think I might have gone down the road. I'd be like, that would be weird if he's having a go at Walter. Because Walter had some problems. Yeah, I know like Walter's heroin use started to become a problem after Asia. There's no way of knowing if he was doing it in 1974. No. But 
He could be. It almost sounds like Donald's literally standing at the front door just shouting. Yeah. I'm off. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. He's just not going to do it. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. But then he says, goodbye, dear. Yeah. And is that how you talk to your pal? That's true. But they very, they had a very close relationship, didn't they? They, they did, an incredibly close relationship. Yeah. It's almost um, kind of symbiotic. Yeah, and it's really sweet, actually, because mm. they discovered each other. They felt like they were the only people in the world that liked the same things as each other. Yeah. And it's so rare when you meet someone that has exactly the same taste as you, mm. especially when it's quite obscure. Yeah. And you feel like you've met just the treasure. It yeah. doesn't happen very often. No. And you do kind of treasure those people. Yeah. But they used to just bounce off of each other all the time, especially in interviews. Yeah. I quite like your junkie couple yeah. explanation. I think that's probably the most plausible. And we just end another album about heroin. <laughs> yeah, this is very heroin heavy, this album, though. Yeah, it really is. Blatantly so. It, you know, it's not even covered up. It's a little bit longer than the other two as well. It is, yeah. It is, which is crazy because all the songs are short. There's not a song near five minutes. No, it's very, very poppy. Yeah. But they did that deliberately. They were told to do that. Yeah. Because Countdown to Ecstasy wasn't successful, really. This one went platinum eventually. I think 93, this went platinum. Yeah, they're on an ascendance, aren't they? Yeah. The studio were like, you've got to make a more commercially accessible record. Mm. And they really did. But they'll soon have the opportunity just to do whatever they want. Yeah. And, ooh, <laughs> I'm excited. We I'm are. excited about who's going to turn up on the next album, John. Yeah, me too. Let's not give it away. Let's not give it away. You can uh, tune it's in. It's Emily Sandy. <laughs> I do miss the freedom of Countdown to Ecstasy. They were clearly jamming, having a great time, really enjoying themselves, improvising. Yeah, they but, kind of come into that record really hot, don't they? Yeah, but this album is such significant album i think for them stylistically mm. it really does start to pin down the steely dan vibe yeah it's an exciting record we're at the end i've really enjoyed discussing yeah me too discussing this album and i'm very excited to talk about katie lied i'd say right in but these are all pre-recorded yeah. so we'll see this you next time see ya bff.fm podcast network Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.